Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. I'm so excited to welcome Nikita Chef to the podcast today. Nikita is a weaver based in Sydney, Australia, who creates stunning weavings from recycled saris that she collects from elderly Indian women in her community. I was really intrigued by her story of weaving both her stories and the stories of these saris into her work, and so I've been really looking forward to this conversation today. Welcome, Nikita. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be talking to you today. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to start off by asking how you found your way to weaving and why did it stick? Sure. Um, So I guess if I have to be honest, um, I was going through a very hard breakup um, and I wanted to find something positive that I could put my energy towards. Um, I guess I've always been creative. My mom is a very successful abstract artist and from a young age I was taken to galleries and encouraged to explore my artistic side. Um, She even let my sisters and I choose the colour of our bedrooms. Um, I chose lime green and orange. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, one night I was just randomly on Etsy and I saw a frame loom and I had no idea how to weave or or what to do. And this was back in 2010, so well before the whole weaving kind of craze had its resurgence. Um, And on an impulse, I just bought a loom and taught myself how to weave. Um, Again, there was no YouTube tutorials or um, anything on the internet. But yeah, I mean, ever since then, I just, I love weaving and and the way it requires you to be completely present. That's great. So it sounds like you found weaving in a time that was really hard and sad in your life. Was there something about weaving in particular that helped you get through that time? Yeah, as I said, I almost feel um, that weaving found me. Like I I wasn't, Mm -hmm. even though I was looking for something to do kind of after my full-time job, you know, I wanted something to kind of relax into and and weaving, the beautiful thing about it is is you use threads and yarns so it's it's not messy like painting and that. But yeah, I think um, that's really just what what drew me to it and um, yeah. That's great. I understand you have a deep family history with weaving. Can you share more about that and how it influences your work today? Sure. So um, after I started weaving, like just shortly after, I was doing it at home and my grandfather uh, saw me weaving and he started casually telling me all about, you know, various sari weaving techniques and and he just seemed to know so much. And then, and he looked at me and he said, you do realize that a lot of our ancestors were weavers in in Gujarat, in India, which is my, my background. And I had no idea. So I, as I said before, I often feel that weaving found me and, and it comes to me quite naturally. And the fact that I kind of taught myself, it's sometimes I feel, I know it sounds a bit strange, but um, that, you know, it's in my DNA. Like I already knew I had this inherent knowledge of how to weave. Um, and I guess I've been using weaving as a way to access my Indian heritage and, and learn more about it. That's great. Does your grandfather still weave today? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He just knows. It would just surprise me because he just knew so much about mm. it. Mm. What what kind of things did his family weave? Um, I think particularly saris. So um, there's a technique called patola, which you dye each silk, like every single strand is like hand dyed, and then that's mm. woven. So it's a very like laborious process. And um, but yeah, it's that kind of labor of love, I feel. Yeah, yeah. So your tagline on Instagram is that you're weaving stories. And what does that mean to you? Um, I think humans 
for me, I believe humans are addicted to telling stories. You know, even when we fall asleep, our minds are telling our stories like through dreams and that. And I see weaving as a form of storytelling. So, you know, back even back in the day, across so many cultures and histories, like cloth has been seen almost as a form of social media. You know, people would tell stories through their cloth and pass on that story from generation to generation. Therefore, you know, I you like I weave stories because I use symbols and shapes and almost like primitive forms in my work to communicate feelings, uh, memories, experiences. And, and I also enjoy creating artworks for others and, and like to share their stories too. Yeah, so when you, when you work with people to, to share their stories and help them celebrate milestones, what kind of stories have you told with your customers and for your customers? Um, lots of different ones like sometimes it's like a celebration of a specific um, birthday or even a birth of a child um, recently my uh, one of my clients had a had a baby um, and had grown out of a little cardigan so I kind of unpicked the wool and and wove that into a piece um, another one um, I wove a beautiful piece for a lady who had just relocated she'd moved um, to different states and was kind of finding it hard to settle down so I guess you know she wanted to capture that phase of her life so yeah different I guess people kind of want to remember or um, tell different stories of their own and and I really like to capture that through my weavings and as I said through just abstract shapes you know it's not literal um, but it could be through the color or the texture yeah Sure. Yeah. So when you were first learning to weave, when you, you know, started to shift from just learning the, um, what's the word, learning the different techniques into really being able to express yourself, what was one of the first stories and pieces that you worked on? Um, I think in the beginning when I was, I was first learning, it was more the stories of my past and even not even mm. my stories, but um, again, as I mentioned, my grandfather, it was more just learning about, um, you know, experiences my family had had back in India through weaving. So um, I had a lot of conversations with different family members. I actually went um, and had a trip to India. And sometimes it wasn't even just personal stories, but it was like stories of the landscape um, or just daily spiritual rituals um, or religious rituals that um, my family um, conduct. So it was, as I said, it was just like learning a lot about my culture and using weaving as kind of my medium to do that um, and my vehicle to do that. Hmm. What's your weaving process like? Do you know what you're going to make when you sit down at the loom or do you design as you go? Tell us a little about that. Uh, no, yeah, I'm not um, a planner. Like I, I honestly, I just sit down and I weave very intuitively. So it sounds cliche, but I, I never have a set plan or I never even have um, a set color palette. Uh, I just sit down I kind of have an idea or a story that I want to tell um, and that kind of that translate that story so you know it evolves in my head and it comes out in the threads um, one thing I do really enjoy about the process and my process of weaving is kind of that tactility so I I really enjoy touching the different yarns or sometimes or the sari silks you know um, I choose I select them sometimes just based on what I want to feel in my hands because weaving is that, you know, very tactile kind of art. Um, and, you know, day to day I'm always kind of like touching my screen or touching my phone or, you know, typing. So I feel like it's just a really refreshing change to, to touch threads. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, I really wanted to talk to you about that. So one of the things that captivated me about your work and how you write about your work is that you make your weaving with recycled saris. So how do you go about finding and selecting the saris that you work with? Um, I, again, back to my grandfather, he's actually helped me source a lot of the sari silk. Um, he was actually one of the first Gujarati Indians to arrive in Sydney, Australia um, in 1957. So he has a lot of connections with the Indian community um, and he's very well respected. And he actually um, sends out emails once in a while, um, just puts it out there asking if, if any of the ladies um, have saris that they're not using. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I'm finding them now and, and kind of word of mouth gets around and, you know, a friend of a friend tells them that, you know, that I'm looking for them and they get in touch. So it's actually been such a lovely journey um, within itself is getting my hands on these saris. Yeah. Was it hard to convince women to part with them when you were first getting started? Um, funnily enough, enough, no, I think. Hmm. Indian women have, you don't realize that, they have so many and, you know, they also go out of trend um, just like any other Western clothes. Um, so a lot of them, obviously, they keep their heirloom, you know, the heirloom ones, but they were more than happy. I was actually really overwhelmed by the response. They were more than happy to, to give them off and especially when I explained to them what I was doing with them. Um, but, yeah, as I said, it was really nice. I got to meet a lot of Indian ladies and, you know, they gave me lots of chai. And <laughs> it was nice. That's great. Do you cut them into strips when you're weaving with them? Yeah, I do. So I cut them into strips um, and then it's not neat strips. It can be sometimes I even tear them. Um, I really enjoy doing mm. that as well. So it's and – it, and it could just be just one part of the sari that I'm just really um, – you know, attracted to, like the border or, you know, the main parts. So they've got different panels in them. Um, but, yeah, I know it sounds a bit strange, but I really believe that, you know, even cloth holds, you know, memories of the people who wore it and that's perhaps why I'm, I'm drawn to it and I have been lucky enough to get my hands on a few of my um, grandmothers, you know, on both sides. Mm. They both passed away, but I've had um, woven a lot of their saris into some of my pieces too. Yeah, that doesn't sound strange at all to me. I think it's I think it's really true that that cloth holds memories and stories and all of those things. Do do the women that you you take saris from do they share some of those stories with you, or are you more imagining them as you're weaving it? Um, some of them do, but yeah, I think I'm imagining them as I weave it. And yeah, as I, yeah, it's just it's a nice feeling, you know, even when someone passes away. A lot of times you hold on to the clothing that they wear, you know, it has that smell or it has that, you know, that memory and that essence. And, and I guess that's what, um, you know, is being interwoven. And I do create the stories kind of as I go. Um, so it's mm. always like connecting the past with the present, like a form of rebirth through that textile. Yeah. What's your favorite piece that you've woven recently? Um, it would have to be a piece I created last year called Moonchild. I was um, heavily pregnant and could hardly weave as my huge belly was in the way um, and I was having trouble sleeping so I would sit at my loom at 2am um, in the dead of the night. Everything was so quiet and all I could feel was this little <laughs> bubble kicking around in my stomach um, and I almost meditated as I, I wove that piece. It was an, an amazing outlet for all the mixed emotions I was feeling. Um, you know, anxiety, not knowing what was about to happen but yeah, it was just a very... Um, calm, peaceful, and I was very present during that piece. Hmm, that's beautiful. 
has having having a baby in the past year has that changed how you approach your work and the stories that you're telling with your weaving definitely I mean obviously the time <laughs> is a bit bit limited to sit on my loom um, but yeah I think I approach it I definitely I've kept that same kind of I use it as my time to zone out um, and even if it means less time when I am and I do have that time I really am present but I'm almost seeing creativity as a muscle now I guess you know everyone has it you just have to work it out so I'm being I'm becoming better at being able to switch it on and off um, and it's very cliche but I think you know, even becoming a mother has definitely opened up a whole whole new depth of emotions, which is probably subconsciously coming through in my work. Um, but I definitely can't wait to introduce textiles to my daughter, Alira. I let her sit down and, and watch sometimes when I'm doing it. Mm, that's great. What does she think of it? How old is she? Oh, she's only five months, but she's okay. definitely starting to reach the threads so i'm gonna have to put them in a high spot i think that's great well it's it's in her blood exactly (laughs) yeah what do you find most difficult and challenging about weaving um i would say as i mentioned before symbols and shapes really excite me um for example i'm currently really inspired by like berber symbols and turkish motifs um but i find that um, with weaving due to its you know the very nature and the structure um, of weaving with the warp and the weft I do find that it can be quite limiting um, in terms of you know weaving in shapes and symbols for example if you want to weave in a circle um, it's just a bit difficult so yeah I do find this quite challenging yeah how did you how did you go about learning to do that yeah, so I, I guess, challenges. yeah, to overcome the challenge, um, I've actually learned how to embroider into the weave. So Ooh. as I'm working, so um, when the, as yeah, so as I'm working, I sit there with the threads and I've learned to kind of stitch on onto the woven structure. And this has opened up so many more creative opportunities for me and just it's given me a lot more flexibility and freedom. So it's something that's definitely a work in progress. I'm still exploring it a lot, but yeah, it's it's been really great kind of to learn that skill. Interesting. Tell me more. So you're embroidering while it's still in tension on the loom? Exactly. Yes. Hmm. And what kind of threads are you using to embroider with? Just um, either embroidery threads or even just some of my thinner yarns. I just lay it on um, and do a bit of like couch, you know, um, threading across it. But again, like I'm in no way like most of the art of embroidery I, I, I'm just learning as I go and just teaching myself really and if something doesn't work um, that's the beauty of of weaving and, and working with threads is it's easily um, it's forgiving you can undo it yeah yeah totally what sparked your first idea to mix those two mediums and embroider on your loom I think it was that frustration of me just mm-hmm. I was trying to weave in shapes um and it just it wasn't working the way I kind of visualized it and, and envisioned it to work so it was out of frustration that I think I just was like let me just try this and, and it worked so <laughs> from then on I've been doing that that's great that's great your work has a very distinctive style and it, it tells your own artistic story and I'm curious if you could share how you went about developing your style. Sure. Um, 
I don't think I've ever really deliberately tried to develop a style. Um, like most artists, I think it, it just came to be. I do develop my ideas and style through reading a lot of books, um, whether it's books on Indian textiles or Hindu rituals. Um, but yeah, I guess my style yeah, has just developed over time. And, and it's also the process, I think, that has informed my style. Um, I never watch TV when I weave. Um, you know, sometimes I listen to Indian classical music, you know, Ravi Shankar or um, Anup Jalota. But I think, yeah, when I'm weaving, I just, I try to zone out and just be there. And I think that's kind of probably what's informed the way my style's evolved. Um, over time, I think my style has evolved from being very literal. Like when I first started, I was, you know, if I wanted to um, evoke a tea plantation, I would do lots of green, you know, lots of shades of green or something. But I think over time, my style has become a lot more poetic and reflective, I would say. That's great. As you're working, do you... Um do you mostly focus on your own individual process or do you also do collaborations with other artists or with the people you're, you're making things for? Like, how do you think about that in your work? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I, um, I haven't done anything of note with different artists, which I would love to collaborate with someone. But um, yeah, at the moment, I definitely, it's more about if I'm weaving for a work, like a commission for someone, then it's definitely just keeping them front of mind. And, and I love almost creating a relationship with them. So as I'm weaving, I might call them or email them and say, hey, like, what did you feel, you know, about this? Or how did you go about this? And getting, I guess, learning more about their story and then that kind of subconsciously goes into my piece. So it is a journey. And, and I do like when I'm working um, on a piece with someone, them to be involved. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just send them pictures of it in progress. And um, yeah. That's great. What's what's on the horizon for you in 2018? What are you feeling excited about? Um, well, I'm actually at the moment planning um, a exhibition with my mother. As I said, she's an abstract artist. Um, oh, cool. And so I want to do one with her. I mean, I feel like she's way above my league. Like she's very, very good at what she does. Um, a lot of her work is about vessels um, and the body is a vessel and she uses like woodblock prints from Rajasthan and, and it's very laid, like it's, it's beautiful work. Um, but I kind of want to yeah, do an exhibition with her. So we're looking into putting in a few submissions at the moment, actually. So yeah, that's exciting. It's really neat that you have such an artistic family and that you can learn from each other and, and work together. Yeah. Have you done other exhibitions? Yes, I have. Yeah, I've done a few um, just in Sydney. I've done a few group ones. I had one this year um, with a beautiful paper artist. Um, mm. So the two of us, Gunjun, um, yeah, we, we worked together and, and put on a bit of a show. But, yeah, it's something definitely that I want to get more involved in. Um, I think I was a bit hesitant to exhibit my work for a while, just to put myself out there. But I'm slowly gaining that confidence, I think. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about that. Was What was it like the first time you put together an exhibition and what made you decide to do it, even though you were nervous about it? Uh, it was definitely, I think, encouragement from my family and friends. Um, that's what, what made me do it. They said, just, you know, if it, like not, it can't, nothing bad can come of it. Just put your work out there and, and let other people enjoy it. So I did. But, um, yeah, I guess, you know, as, as Melissa to say, like exhibiting, it's like putting your soul on the wall, especially when mm. you 
have you know you put so much into it to have it's almost like to have it seen and, and judged by others it's just a very scary thing yeah do you have specific themes for your exhibitions or how do you think about putting them together a body of work yeah, so I definitely have a, a body of work and a theme. Um, my last exhibition was all about rituals. So I was looking at um, different, you know, Hindu rituals um, that are performed at weddings, at births. Um, and, you know, for example, one of my pieces was all about, um, I use that mustard yellow, that turmeric colour, and it was all about the way turmeric is a key part of a lot of Hindu um rituals and, and prayers ceremonies and things like that so yeah I think of a theme um, and then I normally just create a body of work around that and again like that helps me you know learn more about my my religion and my culture like I can research it and learn things while whilst I'm leaving that's great it's been really interesting to hear from you about your work today in this conversation where can people go to see you on instagram or on the internet or in the real world and in your exhibitions how can people find out about your work um i think the best place probably is my instagram account um i use it almost like a visual diary so i I like scrolling back and looking at my past works and, and i guess failures as well but um yeah instagram and i have a website um yeah as well which I need to update, but yeah, Instagram's the best point of call at the moment. That's great. What's your Instagram handle? Sorry, it's at Nikita <laughs> Chef mm-hmm. and then underscore. Okay, and I will link in the show notes to this episode, I will link to your Instagram and to your website so people can also see it. Do you have any parting words of wisdom that you would share to weavers out there? Um, I would say, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but I wouldn't, my advice would be not to get caught up in what other weavers and other artists are doing. I think with social media these days, it's all at your fingertips and you can just spend, you know, two hours creating, I mean, sorry, consuming other people's images, but not creating. So I would say, you know, for your own inspiration and thoughts, you know, just stay true to yourself and and create only for yourself. Um, Obviously, even when you're doing a commission, stay true to your style and, and, and what you believe in. So yeah, I guess that's it. That's great advice. Thank you so much for your time today and for talking to me. It was really great hearing your story. Oh, thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. You can find photos of Nikita's work and a link to her website in the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen eight. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com. You can also sign up there to get the show notes delivered straight to your inbox every Monday morning, if you'd like that. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Sarah Newbert, a fiber artist who lives at the foot of the Rocky Mountains in Fort Collins, Colorado. Sarah is also a weaving teacher and the founder and facilitator of The Weaving Kind, a vibrant online community that helps weavers connect with one another, learn new skills, and set deeper intentions for a lifelong weaving practice. Tune in next Monday to hear our conversation, and until then, happy weaving!